Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I am so stoked that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. My friend, there is a seat here for you at the table, and I so hope that you choose to be a part of this community. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. Happy February 1st. I love the month of February. I feel like maybe it's because of Valentine's Day. I get into it. I think it's so fun and it just feels like an extra sweet month. I don't know if you guys are doing anything special or if you're like into Valentine's. I feel like I probably just have a lot of really fun memories of like Valentine's parties <laughs> growing up and my mom and I would always get really into like making fun Valentine's for my class. So anyways, happy February 1st. I hope that you are still able to enjoy some time outdoors even though it is winter. We've had like a pretty mild winter here apparently and so that has been very enjoyable. We've been able to like go to the zoo and get outside and try to get in some sunshine as we are continuing to adjust to Midwest weather. Today I have a very encouraging conversation coming to you with my friend Maddie Calderwood. Maddie has served as a missionary both domestically and internationally and now she is serving as a wife. That is her ministry right now. She got married in August of this past year, or I guess it was just last year is what you'd say, in 2021. And so we chat a lot about her experiences serving on mission, as well as what it can look like to continue to be faithful and serve the Lord in marriage. And just what this newlywed season has been like for her. And Maddie and I also talk about breakups. I feel like breakups can be a really formative and transformational thing for a lot of young women, especially if you are like dating someone for a long time. And it can be hard to process those things, especially if you're like already married. It can feel kind of like weird or I don't know, easy to want to like forget that time of your life but we touch on a breakup that she walked through that was pretty tough for her Um, but she also has a lot of wisdom to share out of that experience so I know you guys are going to love this episode I'm so excited to share with you here's my conversation with Maddie Maddie, welcome to the Love in a Cottage podcast. This is take two after some technical things and Juliet needing to nurse. So welcome again. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) Maddie, we met, has it been like three years or two? I want to say two, but it could have been longer. It's so, I feel like with pandemic time too, it's yeah. like so hard to even remember. Flew by. Yeah. But we got connected because we did a Bible study together. Um, it was like very casual, but it was so fun whenever we were living with my parents um, after getting back from London. And had you just gotten back from Nepal or were you planning on going? I can't remember. 
That would have been after I got back from Nepal. Yeah, I was kind of in limbo. Yeah, I feel like it's interesting now actually because at the time I like didn't necessarily think anything of that, but we were both in like very big transitional seasons after living abroad and like coming back to our hometown area and – Yeah. Wow. I love that the Lord like crossed our paths in that way. Yeah. That's so sweet. I didn't even actually make that connection until you just said that. So that's really cool. I love that. And I just remember like it's actually kind of full circle because I think just listening to you talk and also talking with you, I was like, this girl is so wise. She's so well-spoken. I love talking with her. Like she should be on a podcast or I would love to like have a podcast with her. And oh my gosh, here we are. It's actually happening. (laughs) Could you start by just sharing a little bit about who you are, what you do and where you live? Yeah. So my name is Maddie Calderwood. I live in Wichita with my husband, Caleb, um, we're both, well, I'm 21, he's 22, and we got married in August, back on August 1st of this year, so we're still baby newlyweds, which is so fun. Um, yeah, we live here, this is where I grew up, and so it's always been home, um, so it's been really sweet just starting our little family together here where I grew up and so close to family. Um Right now, I am working as sort of like a tutor slash nanny for a couple local families who do homeschooling with their kids, and I basically just get to serve them however however I can. That's amazing. I love that. That just says so much about like your heart to me because I always told people like I – I didn't dislike kids, but I didn't love kids enough to be like a babysitter that just was like not really my thing. And so for anyone who has been like unsure about wanting to have kids, I'm like, don't count yourself out because being a mom is totally different. So I so admire and appreciate you who is like just willing to love on other people's children. Yeah, it's seriously such a gift. I love I love my job so much. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about just like your life and all of the transition that's been happening the past couple years because when we met, um, I want to say you were like 18 or 19 and you like went on this missions trip to Nepal and you were serving there and then you had like gone through this like breakup that was pretty serious and just like so much was happening. And I feel like a huge part of this show and like why I wanted to start it is because I feel like just time in your 20s is generally full of transitions, like huge life things happening. And it's hard. It's hard to like find community. If you are transitioning into a new role or a new season, sometimes like your friends aren't there. And so I really just kind of wanted to talk to you about your experiences. So we're going to like kick it back to kind of the beginning, I guess, Um, as far as just like graduating high school, like what was your plan or what did you – yeah, what was your plan? What did you think you wanted to do with your life and how has that like looked different (laughs) over time? Yeah, I guess coming out of high school, I didn't really have a super specific plan. I had 
lots of ideas about what I could do. I had lots of dreams, but missions was kind of the only thing that really made it to the planning stage of dreaming. And um, so, yeah, during high school, I kind of knew that I wasn't going to go to college right away. Um, I don't have anything against college. I still don't. I would go if I needed to. But I think that my perspective at the time and still was just kind of like, I want to go as obedience to the Lord's plan for my life and not just because I was going with the flow. Um, And I think that you can do college or not do college and it can be obedience. Um, And so for me, I knew that if I went at that time, it would just be security in everybody's expectation for me and not truly like a conviction of like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I started just really walking through and exploring what the Lord might have for me instead of college and missions was kind of the the direction that he steered me in. Um, and so as far as my plan leaving high school, I pretty much only knew what the next like six months was going to hold. I knew that in the fall following my graduation, I was going to go spend three months in Nepal. Um, But as far as anything post that, I had absolutely no idea and no plans. Wow. And do you feel like that's part of your personality? Is it like easy for you to kind of just go with the flow or was that almost like a practice and like you said, an act of obedience and like this feels scary to not know the future, but I'm going to do it anyways? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I think like my personality – is one that like my parents were not surprised when I told them that this is what I was going to do. And so on that level, like, I think that it was pretty fitting. Um, But I think whenever you're stepping into something where there's so much uncertainty, there takes a level of faith and confidence in like, this is what the Lord called me into. And if he called me to it, then he's going to provide a way. And I think looking back, I really want to say that like I was so full of faith like the entire time but honestly like I remember at training camp the day before we were leaving I was like second guessing everything I didn't know if this was where I was supposed to be and had so much anxiety over it but um so there's like also that intense vulnerability with so much uncertainty um but when you're walking with the Lord, you have the ability to lean back over into faith instead of fear. And I think that was a discipline that I started walking in with the Lord specifically around that time. Yeah. I love, I love that you were able to share about like how you experienced both of those things. Cause I think it's easy to hear about people who are like doing these what we'd call like radical things where maybe they like don't have a plan or they are um, moving to a different country or I don't know, doing things that are not typical, I guess. And it can be easy for me now to dismiss that as like, oh, well, that's probably just their personality. Like I can Mm -hmm. never do that. And it's a great reminder that it's not necessarily like just a personality thing. Like it can be a practice, even just thinking about like bringing up Jesus in conversation with people I don't know very well can still feel intimidating for me. And Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself that it's a practice. It's not just something that some people are born with, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's so true. 
So what led you to serve in Nepal? I would love to hear a bit more about that experience. Yeah. So like I said, I started exploring missions and basically went into that whole process just trusting that I was going to knock on some doors, so to speak, and then just give it over to the Lord and let him open the one that he wanted me to be a part of. And so I did some research. I found an organization and a ministry that I trusted. Um, For anybody who's curious, I went with Adventures and Missions. They, one of their programs is the World Race and the World Race Gap Year. And so um, that's originally how I discovered them. Um, But they're basically just a missions facilitating organization. They send out young missionaries to um, the nations. And so I found a program that they operate, which will send like college age students to um, a country for three months and doing missions and they partner with local ministries. Um, And so our goal was just basically to serve our ministry hosts, whatever they needed, we would do. Um, And so as far as deciding on Nepal, I pretty much just read the list of potential countries and picked the one that I knew the least about. Um, I remember looking at Nepal and was like, okay, I know Mount Everest. And that's pretty much it. Like I knew pretty much nothing else about it. And so that was really intriguing to me. Um, And so I basically just was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. I applied and then just gave it over to the Lord and asked him to shut it if it wasn't where I was supposed to be, but open it if it was. And About a month later, I got accepted, and so that was sort of the plan from that point on. Wow. Where was that at in, like, the timeline as far as your senior year goes when, like, you applied and got accepted? That was February, December through February of my senior year. Okay. Yeah. That's incredible, and I love that you just, like, went for – like you said, the country that you knew the least about, like something that's already going to be stretching and potentially like, yeah, challenging, uncomfortable. You were like, let me just not choose the country I'm the most familiar with or that I visited. Maybe I just think that's so beautiful that you were wanting to see how you could serve in a new way and how the Lord could like use that experience to to form you. Um, what exactly was like the highlight or I guess do you have any like particular stories that will stick with you from Nepal? Yeah I think that I mean there are so many stories and so much that we did but I think one of the things that really sticks with me is I'm I was very much like you Paige like I was not a kid person at all and kids was a huge part of our ministry and I was like, okay with that. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to be awkward and not really know what to do. And this is just not going to be my thing. And that's okay. I'm just going to do what I can. And I remember leaving um, the spot that we were working with these kids this one day. And I was like talking to one of my friends. I was like, they were really cool. Like, I really liked those guys. And my friend was like, Maddie, do you like kids? I was like, no, but like those those ones were great. And she was like, Maddie, I think that you might like kids. I was like, no, I, I don't know how to work with kids. And so I think I now doing what I'm doing, 
I look back at that moment and like so thankful that the Lord is so sovereign over my heart and my interests and like isn't only able to give me opportunities to serve in ways that I am created to, but will literally be able to change the things that I'm interested in or the things that I enjoy and then also meet those desires with opportunities. Like, I think that that is just so sweet. And it's so fun to look at that in hindsight and be like, I never would have thought that I would be working with kids full time and that I would love it and that it would be like becoming my dream job, just like unfolding right in front of my eyes. So that was kind of my, one of the biggest things that sticks with me. Yeah. That's so special because, yeah, meeting you after that time, I was like, Maddie's great with kids. Like, that's <laughs> one of the things that I know and love about you. And I love, I love hearing how, like, that is totally something that God, like, did in you. And it wasn't, I don't know. I, I love that he, like, changed your heart and your desires in that way through that trip. Um, so then you were working at a daycare for a while. Is that right? Whenever you got back? Yes. And then what was the timeline like as far as serving with circuit riders then in Huntington Beach? And how did that come up that you wanted to go like back again on on the field? I don't know if that's like the right way to say it because yeah. I know that like a huge theme is everywhere's our mission field. But right. this was like an intentional trip. <laughs> yeah, that was the focused idea for sure. Um, I guess it was about a year after I got back from Nepal that I um, felt like released to apply for circuit riders. I knew about the organization for a while. I actually first heard of it when I was in Nepal, which is so weird because I didn't think anything of it. Um, but yeah, it was about a year after I came back from Nepal that I applied for circuit riders and that became a part of the journey as well. Okay. Yeah. And can you just explain what exactly circuit riders is and what they do? Yeah. So circuit riders is a ministry of YWAM, um, which is Youth with a Mission. They're based in Huntington Beach, California, and their goal is to basically train um, young missionaries to go and live out their calling on their college campuses and in their hometowns. Um, they do a tour called the Carry the Love Tour, where they send out teams to um, different college campuses and universities um, and high schools around the United States, and now including Africa and Europe, which is so cool. Um and they hold like worship nights and they preach the gospel and their real their goal is one to see people saved to see people reach with the gospel but also to train believers in their calling as disciples to um, not just live their lives but actually live their lives with a knowledge and a conviction about what their purpose is as believers that is amazing. I know that Circuit Riders did some like worship nights on my college campus, which I never got to go. I was so sad. I think I always had like classes whenever they were there <laughs> at Azusa Pacific. Um, but I just know that they've done so many incredible things. And I love that you were able to like go back and be a part of uh, what I'd say like a domestic mission yeah. setting. 
Um, what were some of the like differences that you noticed or like highlights or stories from your time with circuit riders? I just asked you like three different questions. Yeah. <laughs> but just would love to hear more about that time and some of your experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So I did a discipleship training school um, called Circuit Rider Experience. And so what my time with them looked like was I went out and I lived in Huntington Beach for just shy of, I want to say two months, three months. I don't remember how long it was. It was during, um, it was the fall after COVID hit. And so it was just very different than I expected. Um, but now of course, looking back, I couldn't imagine it being any different. Um, but I was there and basically a day in the life was we would get up And we all lived in like community houses, which was so sweet. And we would go to classes and pretty much just get trained in the cultures of circuit riders or the cultures of Jesus. Um, And also equipped in like the really practical things of like, here's what it looks like to live on mission. Here's what we do. Here's what outreach is going to look like, all of that stuff. And so they really trained us in so many things that even now that I'm not doing like specifically like international or domestic missions, I still apply so much of what I learned to my life today. Um, I think one of the really cool things about circuit riders is that they don't just teach you like how to be a missionary, but they teach you basically, hey, you're a disciple. Here's your calling. Here's like what it looks like to be a fully activated follower of Jesus. And you can do that anywhere, no matter whether you're called to your hometown or to the nations, you know? Yes. That is like such an important thing that, like I was saying earlier, I know I even feel like unequipped sometimes um, and so many other people do too as to like, how do I talk to people about Jesus in my everyday life? And it felt so much more normal when I was younger. I don't know like what exactly shifted, um, but I think – just that education and that training that you're getting, it's it's not just like you're paying to go and talk with people. And, you know, we actually had a guest on a couple of weeks ago um, who was talking about like ethical and sustainable missions yeah. and just making sure that we are like considering both like it's not necessarily like a giving and receiving. You can definitely go back and listen to that episode. Anyone who's listening, that's with Abby Littlefield in episode 23, but like partnering through our mutual brokenness is what she said. And I just think that approach to missions and thinking about it, not as like, okay, I'm going on this trip and I'm coming home and now I'm done. But like you said, just being an active Jesus follower and living your life in a particular way and being a disciple. Um, I think that's something that so many people could benefit from. And so I love that you were able to go and experience that in Huntington Beach. But what a strange time, like you said, to also be be doing that. Because do you feel like you interacted with people less, I guess? Because I'm just thinking about our time. We were in Southern California and things were still pretty shut down. Yeah, we definitely had to be aware of the of the context that we were operating in. Um because I think like as in the time that we were there like everything was very 
heavily charged. And so it really did feel like, you know, we want to live the life that we're telling people about. Like we want to make people feel loved. And so just being really careful about the way that we operated in that. I don't think that we necessarily interacted with people less where we were at in Huntington Beach was fairly open by the time we were there. Um, And I don't know, I think that a lot of our interactions, we just kind of went in knowing like we want to just be perceptive and respectful of the person that we're talking to and what they're if they're uncomfortable or anything like that, you know, just being really careful about that. But like I said, by the time we were there, um, and where we were in Huntington Beach, people were fairly comfortable. It was fairly open. And so we did, we didn't have to deal a ton with that. Totally. Yeah. There's such a big difference. We realized very quickly after moving back to Los Angeles County and getting like off the college campus that LA County and Orange County are, are very different in a lot of very ways. Different worlds. <laughs> Totally. So what through like these big experiences you've had, you know, months that you've been able to dedicate to learning about discipleship and being a missionary both in Nepal and in the U.S., what do you feel like you've learned about ministry and what it means to be a radical Christian today? Yeah. Um, I think that one, especially from Circuit Riders, my my time at Circuit Riders gave me a gave me the language for something that I kind of missed in my time when I was in Nepal. I think when I was in Nepal, I really fell in love with the lifestyle, but it was when I came back and was really really convicted over like my love for my ministry in Nepal was kind of coming more so from like my love for that lifestyle, but not love that I had received from Jesus that I was then pouring out. And I think when you're trying to live in ministry, that can be a really dangerous and easy temptation to fall into of like, I love these people so much. I'm so excited to serve them. I get to help them and not like seeing them through the eyes of Jesus, which is really the only effective way to serve them and the only true and lasting way to love them with not just like an effect in this life, but also like eternal effect, if that makes sense. And so I think during my time in Circuit Riders, I felt like I got so equipped in what it means to put intimacy with the Lord before your ministry. And that was just an idea that I had never thought about before. But they really talk about like, if I'm going out and I'm talking to people and I'm loving them as Maddie, my love for them can only go so far. My love can't save them. My love can't give them a life transformation. And so if I haven't gone and been with the Lord and sat with him and almost like been in this space where like I'm being loved by him and pouring my love back onto him and in that space, if I'm not in that relationship, then my outreach to other people will be so much more shallow than it could be. Because I will never in my own in my own heart have the eyes to see people the way that Jesus has is able to see them. And truly like the thing that 
we're not able to make ourselves into whole disciples or radical Jesus followers. Like that is something that has to be done in the secret place with him. And I think that's something that protects from a lot of burnout because I think this idea when you're trying to live on mission and you're trying to do ministry is just like, I'm pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And I'm exhausted at the end of the day because I'm only ever pouring out. But the reality as disciples is that we should only ever be pouring out what we first received from the Lord. And so starting your day and starting your ministry and starting your life's goals in the secret place with Jesus, just focused on being loved by him and loving him. That's the thing. And that's the heart transformation that will allow us to love and serve people effectively and not just make their lives better or make them more comfortable, but actually be the hands and feet of Jesus in the life transformation that he wants to bring about in their hearts, you know? Yeah. That's that's huge. And I I feel like it can be so easy. I definitely went through like a phase, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. where I loved like the lifestyle or even just this identity. Like there was yeah. a sense of pride that I took, especially when I moved to California and just in my like later teen years where I was like, I'm better than other people because like right. I don't value – I don't value cars. I don't value like certain clothes or a big house, but like the heart of Jesus, I I wasn't like, I didn't have the heart of Jesus. It was more about like how much better or cooler I am because I was like identifying as this radical Christian. And Mm -hmm. I love that. Like what I heard you saying is like, that's not the point. (laughs) Like the point is to know Jesus, to be loved by him and to love him mm-hmm. and to like show that love to others. And yeah, I think it feels good to like help people, but that is so not the point of yeah. serving and being on mission. So that's so powerful. If you're anything like me, you spent most of 2020 and maybe even 2021 wearing your coziest clothes. But at some point, I realized that my cozy clothes included my high school t-shirt with lots of holes and stains and decided it was time for an upgrade. I recently discovered Noble, an ethical clothing brand specializing in waffle jammies for both women and children. Their waffles are seriously the softest I've ever owned because they're made with 100% GOT certified organic cotton. Not to mention the fact that they come in the most beautiful colors like oat milk, mustard, and lavender. Noble recently sent me and my girls the cutest matching waffles in their new color, Moss, and I am obsessed, you guys. I guarantee we are going to be wearing these all winter long, both inside and outside of our home. You can get your own pair of waffle jammies for 10% off when you use the code PAGEGUIDAL10 at checkout. Visit shopnoble.com and use the code PAGEGUIDAL10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. Okay, so now I wanted to just kind of hear a little bit more about um, what your journey with relationships has been like for the past couple years. So you're happily married. Congrats again on that newlywed life is so, so sweet. But 
Um, you and I met when you were walking through a pretty big breakup and it was after getting back from Nepal. And I feel like it's pretty common for a lot of women in their 20s or even like coming out of high school and college to experience a breakup that is like just really big, like maybe unexpected or maybe, you know, she was the one like making the decision, but it's still really hard. And maybe yeah. you like thought that you were going to be with this person forever and it feels like you're starting over. So just kind of wanted to paint that picture because I know a lot of us have walked through something like that and, yeah. and you walked through something pretty big as well. So would you be willing to just share a bit about that time of your life? Yeah, absolutely. So that was definitely a time of, I think exactly like you said, like just unexpected change of plans. I think um, that can be so hard. I mean, breakups are always brutal. They're just super gritty. They're painful. But I think especially going through it during that time of transition in your life is doubly difficult because you already have so much uncertainty and so many unanswered questions about the future. And so then I think to, like you said, start over with this huge portion of your life, that can be extra painful. Um, but I think a huge theme of that time of my life was like, even in the really difficult moments and in the pain, I just remember thinking like, I cannot regret anything because the Lord has used all of it. And I think just like in that, in that pain and that grief, like that is so real, but also like the Lord's redemption is so real and so true. And so holding those both at the same time, um, was definitely like, um, a theme of that season for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it can be so hard. And like you said, I love that I love that you said that you couldn't have any regret because the Lord had like used all of that. And I think that's something that can be really hard for a lot of women, especially if like they are single for a while and you know their friends are getting married and it's it's easy I think to be uncertain or to feel like maybe there is some of that regret, um, even if at the time, like the Lord's voice is so clear that that is the right thing to do. What encouragement would you have for someone who maybe is like going through a big breakup right now and maybe thought that they were going to like marry this person? I mean, I think that's just such a big deal and it's easy to like minimize that. But yeah, if anytime I think marriage is talked about because marriage is a huge commitment, um, there's so much there to mourn. So yeah. yeah, what encouragement do you have? Yeah, I think one of the things that, like I said, like I learned a ton in that season was so much of the Lord's redemption applied in very little and specific ways. Um, and that comes into play a lot more with Caleb and my story. So I'll save a little bit of that until then. But um, I think one of the biggest gifts in that season was like I said like holding that pain and promise at the same time because there are times in any breakup or any heartbreak or really any heartache time where you're like I don't know if I'm ever going to feel okay again and the answer is yes 
you like you will. This will not be the focal point of your entire life story. And that can be true. And it can also hurt really, really, really bad right now. And that's okay. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I wish, I wish somebody had told me was, you're probably going to get four months away and think that you should feel better. And if you don't, that's okay. Like, it is okay for it to hurt when it hurts. Um, and I think sometimes, like, I guess one of the biggest practical lifesavers that I used and still use, but, um, was the idea of, like, practicing surrender as a discipline. Um, and I guess what I mean by that is, I think sometimes like when we're going through a really hard season, we really want to minimize the pain. We want to minimize what we're going through and say like, it's okay. God is still good. He's got a handle on this. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. What we're actually saying to ourselves is if I really believe that God was good, then this wouldn't hurt anymore. And so we sort of like put this like bandaid over it. And what we're actually doing is one, we're not healing, and two, we're numbing ourselves to the truth of that statement that God is still good, and it's not actually doing anything in our hearts. It's just kind of a thing that we're using to try to, like, numb it, but numbing the pain in a really Christian way, um, which is not the same thing as healing. And so when I say, like, practicing surrender as a discipline, I think you think of like any other spiritual discipline, like it doesn't just happen just like that. Like you have to put it into practice. You have to think about it and make a choice to do it. And so like for me, walking through that season, there was sort of these two aspects of like, this just hurts and it feels really bad. But then also being able to take those thoughts that were paired with that feeling captive and make them obedient to the truth that I knew. Um, And... I guess really practically just saying like, for example, I am really afraid that I'm not going to get married in the future. I'm really worried about if I'm ever going to feel okay. Literally taking that thought and taking it directly to the Lord and saying, okay, Jesus, like I am really, really nervous about my future because I thought this person was it and they're not. And it really hurts, but I'm also really afraid that I'm not going to find love again. Or I'm never going to be lovable to somebody because of this. Um, But taking that thought, saying it to the Lord, and then saying, but I know your plans are good, and I know that you care about my future, and that you're guiding my life, so I trust you with that. I love you, amen. And understanding that that won't necessarily take away the pain but it will sort of rewire your brain to think in a pattern of surrender, which really should be the way that we think always. But I think that that's such a a powerful thing to learn in a time of pain. Um, I think one thing that I didn't expect, but that I felt really deeply during that time was like fear for the other person and not knowing what to do with that. Like, I think that that's kind of something that we don't talk about. Like, but practicing surrender in that aspect as well of like, I'm really afraid that he's not okay or that he's gonna, I don't know, whatever the case may be, worried about that person for whatever reason, but then taking that to the Lord too and saying like, you love him so much more than I do. You care so much more about his heart than I do. You know what's going on. I trust you with him. Would you bless him 
I love you, amen. Like, I think getting into that rhythm and practicing that is a super, super healthy way to not only get through the pain, but to heal from it. And it's in that rhythm that you'll kind of come out to the other side when it doesn't hurt as bad. But it's not just because you're numb, it's because you're actually being healed and learning to fully rely on the Father, even in the middle of like this intense uncertainty and pain. Yeah, that is so good. And I'm so thankful that you shared and took the time to like explain that even practically speaking what that looks like because I know that that could benefit so many people and also I love that you just shared that like there was even an element of worry and concern for the other person because I went through a pretty big breakup when I was 17 I had dated this guy we like met on a missions trip dated really pretty seriously which I know some people would be like how can you be serious at 17 but like He was a bit older, marriage was on the table, and that was actually part of why I moved to California initially. Um, And I think what I did was basically ignore it. I was like, I'm going into my senior year. Like I, I broke up with him, but it was a super hard decision, and I didn't allow myself to process it. I was like, I'm just gonna celebrate all these other things I have going on. And what's crazy is that it has come up years later. And like not at all in a sense that like what would have happened or I wish I would have married him, you know, none of that stuff. But like I'm realizing I was going to marry this guy. Like I was, it was a serious thing. Like our families were involved and we talked about it and there were plans. And um, I I think a, the what it really comes down to was like this fear of like, is he okay? Cause he wasn't from like my hometown. I just, I had no way of checking on him, which wasn't my job anyways, but just kind of realizing like, this is a really big deal. And I acted like it wasn't, is he okay? Um, and so I appreciate that you shared that too. Cause I, a lot of this like processing came out after I already got married. And so that's what made it weird too, was like, I don't know who to talk to about this. I'm closest with John. Obviously, he's not the best person um, like to process these things with. And so just thank you for for sharing some of your wisdom and encouragement in that. Okay, so you are now married and I am bummed. I wanted to hear like the whole story again as far as how you guys met, but I think we're running a bit low on time. Yes. Um, so I would just love to hear – you could even maybe tell like the short version and then just like how the Lord has been faithful um, in, in your new marriage. Yeah, absolutely. So the short version is that we met on Tinder, of course. Um, it's really funny because which is so not you. That's what yeah. is like so funny about exactly. it. <laughs> that's what it yeah, it's and it's so not like him either. Like that's not really our crowd, but um it's where we were. And we were both kind of in this place of like either boredom or like I was still honestly really hurting from parts of that breakup that hadn't really gone fully healed and was kind of in that place of like running away or being afraid and um, wanting to just kind of like have control. And so um, I was definitely not in 
the place that I thought I would be when I met my husband. Um, but like I said, like the Lord is so faithful to redeem and he's just kind of funny the way that he works sometimes. Um, but so we met on Tinder and when we first got together, I had so much fear because honestly, like leaving the past relationship, I was just really, really hurt. And I think I left that relationship with some wounds that felt, I felt unlovable. And I think that that's a fairly common thing when you're going through a breakup. And um, I really, really struggled with that. And I kind of had this mentality of like, I don't know who would want to marry me. Like, I don't know. I think that I'm just too much. And um, when I met Caleb, one of the first times that we hung out in person, I remember we just like talked for hours and I was just rambling about something in the Bible and I was like getting all fiery and passionate about something we were talking about. And this was the first guy that I'd ever talked to who was actually like excited about that and wasn't intimidated or like kind of weirded out by this like intense passion that I had about something that I was talking about. I don't even remember what it was, but I just remember feeling like, Paige, I gave you this kind of analogy, but like there are some people who pick up like a C.S. Lewis book and they kind of see the style of writing and they're like, yeah, I'm sure this is good, but like, it's just kind of complicated and I don't really want to deal with this. So they kind of, they close the book and they stop reading it. And then there are people that pick it up and they're like, I don't really understand what he just said, but I know it was good. And so I want to keep reading until I understand. Caleb is that type of person. Like, I think every moment that I felt like I'm too much or I'm too complicated or I'm unlovable, he just sits down and is amazed by it, even in areas that he doesn't understand completely. And I just think that that was so healing to hear that from another person, especially from another guy, because I think that was the one thing that I hadn't quite healed from was the way that I thought about myself in light of this breakup. Um, And so I just love him. He's the best. Um, We've seen so much of the Lord's faithfulness just in provision in our marriage and in really writing the whole story. Like we, through our dating relationship, um, were really focused on just doing what the Lord asked us to do and being really obedient and trying to honor him with whatever we were doing. And we so saw the Lord's faithfulness through that, Um, even just down to the details of our wedding and how he brought all of that together. Um, The Lord has just been so kind and so faithful in our story so far. I love that. And I love seeing the two of you together because everything you said is so true. Like the way that he sees you and interacts with you and treats you, he is just made for you. And I am so um, just thrilled. And I love getting to witness that like the Lord has brought so much redemption and healing through Caleb and through your guys' marriage. And you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, what do you feel like ministry looks like now for you as a wife. I mean, you're not like all on mission at the moment. Um, and I know you shared a bit about like how you don't have to be on the mission field necessarily to be um, 
like following Jesus and sharing about him, but how do you feel like your perspective has shifted now that you are in marriage? Yeah, I think prior to getting married, and honestly, when I was at Circuit Riders, um, I I felt really certain about like what my life was going to look like. You know, prior to marriage being on the table with me and Caleb, I really thought like, I'm going to be on the field. This is what I've been trained for. This is what I'm going to do. Obvious. This is my calling. I'm going to stick with this and just roll out like this. Um, and then I got married and I know for sure that that was the Lord's plan. And I think that it was probably his plan specifically because I had a very one track mind of what my life serving the Lord was going to look like. And I remember just having this moment where I was like cleaning and I was so frustrated because I was like cleaning a mess that wasn't mine. And I was like, what am I doing right now? I've been trained for more for this, like totally in pride and just got really convicted by the Lord of like, if this is the only thing that I'm ever called to ever again, can I do it faithfully for the glory of the Lord? Like, can I sweep floors and raise babies and do dishes and cook and clean and do all these things to the glory of the Lord. Can I love my husband because that's what I'm called to and do it because I love the Lord. And that has surprisingly been a really hard thing to practice because I haven't been trained in it. Um, But there is so much grace for the learning. But I think like, in this time, I'm kind of reframing with the Lord what ministry is going to look like for me in my life. And Caleb and I are both very much in a place of like, if the Lord tells us to go somewhere, we'll go. And if he tells us to stay, we'll stay. We're kind of just open-handed, whatever the next step looks like we're open to. But as of right now, um, our marriage is our primary ministry focus. Um because I think like marriage is such a picture of the gospel. It's such a picture of um, Jesus loving his people. And I, I feel really passionate about modeling that well, because I think it is such a clear picture. And I think that as Christians, we should hold that really seriously. Like I'm not, this isn't just a human relationship that I'm managing. Like this is an opportunity to exemplify the way that Jesus loves his people and the way that the church ought to adore their savior. Like that's such a huge thing. And there is so much grace for our humanness in that. But um, I think right now our ministry is just focusing on getting to a place with the Lord where we are in unity and obedience to him and modeling that picture that we've been given really well. So good, Maddie. And I know we talked about this whenever we were hanging out a couple weeks ago, but I feel like I've been having kind of a similar revelation or I don't know, just experience as far as like cleaning up messes and raising babies and doing these hard things. And, you know, it's wild. Like, I think I was telling you about this too, but John and I have been talking about just how raising kids and like having a family and tending to a home feels so insignificant in a sense. But like think about maybe an extreme example, but like serial killers. It's like how do they get there, you know? 
Yeah. Like childhood is everything. Like we are forming the way that our children see the world, you know, whether that's, you know, directly through parenting or like in the home or in marriage. Um, and, and when it's framed in that way, it's actually like a, the most important job right. ever. So thank you so much for sharing that perspective. We are going to wrap up with just a few rapid fire questions. What are three things that you have been loving lately? Okay, so the first thing that I've been loving lately is from a little small business called Flora C Botanicals. Um, (laughs) Fully honest, fully organic, even though it is Paige's business. I would be saying this to anybody. I genuinely love all of my Flora C products. I've told you this before, Paige, but I think that just like these little beautiful little products that just create like a pocket of rest throughout the day like I'll just pause in the middle of like a really busy moment or in in transition throughout the day and these little beautiful rollers just create like a moment of peace and rest that feels um just really special and set apart and um just makes my day um and so I love Mm -hmm. so much thank you that that means so much and that is like exactly my hope and prayer for anyone who uses them yes they really are such a gift um so that's the first one the second one is my favorite book I just started rereading it um and so I have to tell everybody about it um it's called a shepherd's look at psalm 23 um by Philip Keller I tell everybody about it so I have to share it um it's basically written by a literal vocational shepherd who goes through each phrase in Psalm 23, um, which is, of course, the psalm about the Lord is my shepherd, dot, 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 um, and basically just unpacks the significance of that imagery and what it means for us as his sheep, as followers of the good shepherd. Um, It's just such a beautiful um, explanation of all of that imagery and really opens it up in a way that we don't tend to look at it. Um, so that's my second thing. And then the third thing I've been loving lately is um, music by Josh Garrels. I, I love him. And I am going to tell you a top secret. Oh, no. Hey, baby. Oh, she got scared by my excitement. One sec. I love Josh Garrels. And his wife is coming on the podcast, actually, after the new year. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. I know. I am so excited. I emailed her just like so hopeful and she said yes. So I cannot wait to have Michelle on. That is so exciting. Yes, I love his music. I, Caleb and I talk about it all the time. Like his voice is just so peaceful. I think I've been playing like on repeat his album Peace to All Who Enter Here. Um, it's like some originals, some covers, but I think his music is the type that like I'll listen to it on repeat, a song, and then one time I'll just like hear a lyric and it hits me and it just kind of like, I think that his lyrics are so beautiful and so deep. And so when you finally like, when they click as you listen to them, it just kind of like creates this moment of awe of the Lord. And I love music that does that. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I I literally never get bored of his stuff. Yeah. Like I could listen to it all the time. 
How can we as a community be praying for you? Yes, I love this question. I think it's so sweet. Um, I think honestly, like being newlyweds is tricky. And like I said, like that is our ministry and we are so human and we don't do it well. And so I think we don't do it well all the time. Um, And so I think just prayer for abundant grace for each other and um, just super clarity on the Lord's direction and honestly just so much more Jesus in every pocket of our lives that's always what we need more of so Mm, I love that we will definitely be praying for you and Caleb in your marriage in your ministry and Maddie where can people connect with you um, right now I'm on Instagram at Maddie, M-A-D-D-Y dot Calderwood. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but pretty much Instagram is it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And I think your picture is just like the most beautiful bride shot ever. So we'll also link your profile in the show notes if people want to follow up, but Thank you so much for coming on. Maddie was so patient. We had lots of interruptions and nursing breaks and it was a challenging time, but you were so patient and I really love talking with you. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you so much, Paige. Thanks for listening to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I am so grateful you decided to join us today and I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. If you like today's show, I would love to encourage you to share it with a girlfriend. You can also screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories, which will help more like-minded women find our show. Speaking of Instagram, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and follow us? Because guys, I promise we're super fun. (laughs) We share content there throughout the week about the show, and it's a great way to connect with fellow listeners and keep up with the guests that you might have heard. We also do fun quarterly giveaways and just share inspiring content. If you're looking for more connection, you can also join our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes of every episode. There are weekly episode discussions, and it's a great way to find friends and listeners who might be in your area. And finally, if you'd like to support us, you can please write a review on iTunes because this will help boost our show so other like-minded women can find it. Your support means so much to me, you guys. Thank you again for being here. So grateful for you. We'll see you next week for another episode.